0: Good morning again. Grace and peace to you. Let's stand as we go before the text this morning. Start off with the Shema, which is a Hebrew prayer, which helps us focus, kind of lean into the text. Lots of stuff happening, lots of stuff going on. We lean in by this prayer, refocusing in order to recommit to say, Lord, whatever happens from here on out right now, I want to hear from you. So let's say that together. Say it, with, uh, say it after me. Hero Israel. The Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, and love your neighbor as yourself. Amen. We're starting a new series in the book of Philippians, the letter to the people of Philippi. So we'll be starting uh, chapter 1, verse 1, as you expect. This will be the shortest reading ever because we're only going to deal with two verses this morning, which is not indicative of the speed in which we will go at the book. But nevertheless, here we are. Philippians 1, 1 and 2 it says this, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus and Philippi, together with the overseers and the deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father. And the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. So if you would, uh, there's an insert in your bulletin this morning. Go ahead and uh, grab that insert, if you would. And once you have it, you can crumple it up. (laughs) And you can rip, I don't know what you want to do. Make confetti with it. Have you ever had a time where God uh, said, nope, nope? To your plans well this is one of those times morning friends so the content on that uh, uh, fear not uh, once a semester we actually uh, pick one of our sermon uh, series and we actually write studies for it both for our group work but also for individuals if, if they're interested in do that so last semester we did it in the book of Ruth and this semester, we're going to be doing it here with Philippians. So if this is something that would interest you, probably by the end of this week, this content will, be, will start off that first study. You can find that on our website to, under the media section. It'll be very easy to find. Um, so if you're, you're interested in that content, that will be on our website coming up here by the end of this week. And we'd encourage you, join us in that study. So what it does is it goes deeper into what we're looking at here in Philippians on a Sunday morning. So we invite you, whether your group is doing that together as their content, or if you want to engage with that on an individual level, go ahead and do that uh, there. That'll be up, like I said, by the end of this this week. What I want to do this morning is, is focus on these first two... Uh, verses. If you have your Bible with you, uh, grab that. We're going to be flipping a little bit, if you would. If you have your Bible, flip over to Ephesians chapter 1, which is just one book earlier. Ephesians chapter 1, 1 through 2, says this, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace, and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Go back a few other uh, books to the book of Romans. Romans chapter 1. Let's take a look at Romans chapter 1 as the pages flip. He has a, bit, a little bit of a lengthier introduction to it but he ends this introduction to this letter to the Romans and he says this to all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be his holy people grace and peace. To you from God our Father and from the Lord Christ Jesus. Flip over. Now go ahead in 1 Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Feel those pages between your fingers. Sometimes good to get that tactile feeling in there. 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 2. Paul called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and our brother to the church of God in Corinth to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people together with all those everywhere who are called on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, which is just an awesome intro to a letter. Their Lord and ours, grace and peace to you from God our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. He begins 2 Corinthians, grace and peace. He begins Galatians, grace and peace. He begins Colossians, grace and peace and peace 1st Thessalonians 2nd Thessalonians Titus Philemon grace and peace it's as if everything he does begins with this idea of grace and peace what if we began everything we did with grace and with peace Now, grace comes from the Greek word charis, which comes from the word Cairo, which is the word commonly uh, used in the New Testament for joy. So often, we think about it in this way, but grace and joy actually come from the same family. They got the same grandparents. Grace and joy, they came from the same foundational root. We often think of grace as something you give and you receive, but at its core, grace is actually a state of being. It's something you live into. You live into the grace that is a part of who you are. Now, a common greeting in the first century letters would say, Corinne. This would be a common everyday uh, uh, way to to greet someone. It meant greetings, welcome. But Paul takes this almost like a little wordsmith, and he switches it to say, Caris, which an early writer or early reader would read and go, ooh, that's, that's interesting how he did that. That little p- play on words there. Caress, grace to you. Now there's all kinds of definitions to this word that we can find. Joy, pleasure, acceptance. One scholar said it's a favor done without expectation of return. One of my favorites is from a scholar named Spiral Hadiatus, which is just fun to say and why it's probably my favorite one. But he says this. He says, grace is the expression of the love of God motivated only by the bounty and benevolence of God. And the judges give him a 10. The free expression. So Paul says, hey, the free expression of the love of God motivated only by the bounty and benevolence of God and peace to you. And now peace is the word "arene" in the Greek, which is the Greek version of the word shalom. Peace, the harmony, wholeness, or health. Every kind of good. When we think of the word peace, we often think of that which is absent of conflict. In our household, it's peaceful when the kids aren't fighting. Right? That's how we would define, oh, it's it's Peaceful. Everyone is getting along. But peace is deeper than that here in this context. This idea of shalom or reine isn't just simply the absence of conflict, but a more holistic understanding of harmony and health and, and, and feeling as though everything is in its right place. And so that conflict could actually exist within peace. Peace isn't necessarily simply the absence or the avoidance of conflict. It's rest in the midst of it. What's cool about in the New Testament, this word arene, all but one time, there's one time where it's written in the future tense, but in every other time that this word is written in the New Testament, it's always written in the present tense, a peace that you can experience right here and right now. Not some peace that's attainable some other time in some other place, but no, no, no. Grace and peace. To you, peace that you can experience here and now. What if we began everything we did with grace and peace? Now let's look at the context. The, the really the, the the circumstances around Paul writes this letter to the Philippians. This will serve sort of as an intro to the book as well. This is coming from someone who's writing in prison. Paul is under house arrest at this time, and he talks about being shackled in these chains. Now, the global military superpower of the day, the one who put Paul in these chains, is the empire of Rome. And the Roman emperors, the Caesars, they believed that they were the sons of God incarnate. There's some, actually some uh, popular propaganda f- phrases in the time that we've seen from different uh, uh, manuscripts and uh, different things that were carved, different things that pushed this agenda that the Caesars wanted uh, their Roman citizens to believe and understand. There was the phrase, Caesar is Lord. Another one that read, there is no other name under heaven by which people can be saved than that of Caesar. Sound familiar? Because this is what the early church would do then. They would take these phrases and then would turn them on their heads to say, no, no, no. It's not Caesar who is Lord, but it's Jesus. And what these Caesars believed is that they were sent, put on earth as the Son of God to bring about universal peace to the world. You may have heard of the term the Pax Romana, the Roman peace. This was the pursuit of the Roman Empire that the whole, their whole kingdom and, and, and at some point the whole world would live under the Roman peace. But of course, peace as defined by Rome was believe what we believe, bend the knee, or die. Not much of a peace there is. It It certainly was stable, but maybe a different peace than you and I would define. And so Paul had been going from city to city saying, Hey, 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 it's not Caesar who is Lord. It's Jesus who is Lord. It's not Caesar that will give you this peace that you seek. It's Jesus. Hey, grace and peace to you, not from Caesar. Grace and peace to you, from Jesus Christ, our Lord. Because Jesus is Lord. This is the whole reason he's in prison. He's dangerous. He gets in trouble. He's an enemy of the state. Paul has offered, and offended, and broken the law of the global military superpower of his day, and he has felt their wrath. And at some point, he's going to be killed by them. Some many believe from that very prison cell. So, in a first-century prison, just so you know, in a first-century prison, they didn't feed you. It wasn't like, hey, you're—it's uh, our now responsibility to feed our prisoners. And so if you were a prisoner back in that time, you were dependent on friends, on just people out of their good will, if if that's what it came to, to feed you and to keep you going. Particularly in that region of the world, meals were uh, were not provided, so you were dependent on someone else somewhere taking care of you. We find in another letter from this same prison cell, he writes, no one came to my support but everyone deserted me he's sitting there unable to work not being provided for him from rome and he writes in another letter everyone has deserted me imprisoned enemy of the state dead man walking deserted And it's in the midst of this that he writes to fellow followers of Jesus, joy, pleasure, acceptance, harmony, every kind of good, a free expression of the love of Christ, grace and peace to you. Friends, what if we began everything we did with grace and peace? Now, the circumstances of the Philippians, because this is what, uh, where it gets interesting. Uh, Philippi was actually a very wealthy town. There were some uh, very active uh, gold and silver mines that were right next door. And so this location for generations before had been sought after and coveted. It was this wealthy town. And the Roman Empire, when he, they take control, they see Philippi, and they take it in 168 B.C. And, and recognizing its importance, they built a trade route that went right through the middle of it that connected the west to the east. This was like the super highway of the day, and it ran right down the middle of Philippi. Wealth, trading. In Acts chapter 16, uh, uh, when Paul walks into the city, he meets a woman named Lydia who is a dealer in all sorts of eastern spices and clothing, particularly. Right, this would make sense. This is sort of the economy of the day. It was big and it was lavish. But what was also interesting is that 90 years earlier, as the Roman Empire was rising to power, there was a series of wars that were fought right next door— philippi involving different leaders like augustus or mark anthony or the dudes who assassinated julius caesar seriously they all were fighting with each other because they saw the importance they saw this rise of the superpower and they all were fighting to gain control and in the end augustus is victorious in these wars which is why we read in the christmas story that the now caesar augustus asks a decree, gives a decree and asks for a census. He's in control. He's the Caesar. He's the one that is God incarnate. And he recognizes the importance and the strategic nature of this city, even though it was really far away from the capital of Rome. And so what he did was that after these victories, after these wars, these two major battles that happened right outside the city, he pardoned all of his warriors who fought in that war, He retired them. He said, you've done enough. You are great. Thank you for fighting for me. Now go and live in Philippi. And so what he did was he took all the men who had fought for him, who had bled for him, who had given him the victory, and he rewarded them greatly. He honored their name, and then he established Philippi as a military colony that he hosted all of these guys together— And his idea is, is that if I get all of these guys that are pro-Rome, I can control Philippi even though I'm hundreds, if not a thousand miles away in Rome. In the book of Acts, as Paul is walking into Philippi, as he's establishing a church, he recognizes that. And so there's not even a synagogue in the town. He actually has to walk outside the city. This is where he finds Lydia and the group of people that will eventually become the Philippian church. So you have this town, wealthy beyond belief. A a path, a road running right down the middle that connected basically the east to the west. A trading route that was busy with all sorts of passengers and money. And then you have this city filled with old war veterans, which created a high nationalism for Rome. For those who had fought for him and benefited him. So it was a large number of Roman citizens, citizens who brought with them different philosophies and ideas and cultures. Very wealthy, very prominent, and very loyal. So Paul's not the only one risking himself here. Because when this early church said yes to Jesus, they, they were asked to say no to Caesar in a town that did not like that very much. It's like being a Patriots fan in Buffalo. No, no, no. Caesar isn't Lord. Jesus is Lord. They partner with an enemy of state in a pro-Rome world with every luxury available to them and proclaim grace and peace. Peace. From the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace. A little later in the letter, we're going to find that Paul actually has to encourage them. He says, you're going to run into things. You're going to run into opposition. I know that town. And they're not going to like it too much. In fact, again, in the book of Acts, in chapter 16, Paul and Timothy, they get dragged into the center of the city and beaten down. Because the accusation is is that what you're preaching is against what Rome teaches. And so they get beat down for it. But who welcomes them back in but Lydia and this new church in Philippi. This is why Paul is so in love with this church. Because they partner with him in the gospel. But it was at a risk. A great risk. And from there, Paul from a prison cell writing to a group, living in a pro-Rome world. Hey guys, grace and peace to you. Joy, favor, free expression of love with no expectation of return. That grace, and that peace for you. What if we began everything we did with grace and peace? What if we really believed this? That even from a prison cell, Paul can say, I have it. It, it, It's it's a part of me. It's what I am. Grace and and peace, guys. Hey, Philippians, I I know what you're going through. I know the environment you're living in. Man, grace and peace to you. What if we began everything we did with those two Things. Let's reflect on that for a minute, because I don't know about you, but I need grace and peace. I need people to speak grace and peace into me. I need to hear it. I, ne- I need to be reminded of it. Hey, grace, grace and peace to you. I, I think about the different people in our uh, community. I think of uh, I see Bill there. I, th- I think of a Jean hind who is um, going through her or just finished her third foot surgery. And she's been in pain for years. And every surgery that's unsuccessful, there's another layer of discouragement. What, what would it look like for her to live into her identity of grace and peace as she heals from this third one, hoping this one's going to work? What does it mean to live into grace and peace under those circumstances? I was talking with um, my friend Alexis here the other day. Um, She just got back from a vacation. We actually talked while she was on vacation, and I was like, what are you doing? Like, Get back to the pool. Like, Why why are you calling me right now? We had a wonderful conversation. We caught up. She's been uh, in a a master's program. Uh, She just started a new job. There's just a lot going on uh, in her life. And so she finally went on a vacation for the first time in years. And she gets back home, and she texted me last night. She gets back home to a failed sub-pump. And there is now, yeah, exactly. I, I literally, I texted her, I was like, that's like my worst nightmare in the world. I literally just put in a backup sump pump because I'm like petrified of that very thing happening. There's just something about water that I just, it's like my enemy, I just fight it all the time. We need new gutters, so I just, I have to do this. And she texts me, she goes, I'm never going on a vacation again, <laughs> ever. I said, don't worry, I'll get you my backup water guy. I have a backup water guy now, I like to say that, because it, sounds cool. But she desperately needed a vacation. She comes home to that, right? It might that be that for you, but what, have you, what mess have you come home to? Literally or figuratively, what mess have you walked into? Where's the grace and the peace there? Well, where is in this, that circumstance can we rest in the assurance of favor and joy and love? Freely given, freely expressed in Christ Jesus for me. Where, where, do we, where do we find that when we sit there? With a, I don't know how many inches of water in the basement. Ugh. I got a text this morning from my brother who is expecting a child, their second. And unfortunately, um, they lost it. Uh, his, his wife, my, my sister-in-law, uh, began bleeding last night. And they couldn't stop it. And they raced to the hospital. And they're there now still. They kept her overnight because they couldn't stop the bleeding. When they texted this morning to say, we lost, we lost them. Where's the grace and the peace in that? So from a prison cell, Paul can say, and from a wet basement, grace and peace. And sitting with a foot up, healing, wondering, is this gonna work? Grace and peace. I was thinking this morning, as God was saying, yeah, you're not, you're not gonna do this anymore. <laughs> I was thinking about my church planning days. And I've told you this story before, um, but man, there were a lot of people that, um, let's just, we we left that season of our lives with scars. And there are roads, literally there are roads in Rochester. I still have a hard time driving down because of the conversation I had in that coffee shop and in that McDonald's and in that Tim Hortons, which is a, Upsetting because one of my favorite garbage places is right on that road. <laughs> Aaron knows what I'm talking about. We've been Jones in for garbage plates for a while now, but I have to go down that road to get there. And I think back on that time, and I know for a long time I was in a prison. I was in my own prison of anger and of hurt. until someone reminded me hey brian grace and peace to you grace and peace to you not something you you get and then lose no no in in your soul do you believe and do you need to be reminded once again that you have grace and peace and that was the only way out of the cell And then that was the way forward in then offering that grace and peace to those who put me in it. Joy. Love freely expressed with no expectation of return. Favor. Generosity. Grace. And peace. Friends, I don't know about you, but I need grace peace in my life. I need to be reminded again and again daily of who I am. For when the basements flood and the feet go up and I have to drive down that road that it's not the Caesars of this world who are Lord and that bring peace. Peace grace and peace from god the father through jesus christ our lord friends grace and peace to you could the band come up here let's uh let's let's finish by just singing sometimes uh songs put into words things that are in our hearts that we don't have the words to say there's a very healing nature to songs And for me, as I wrestle where I need more grace and peace in my life, I realize this morning, that's why we're here, isn't it? To sit together, warts and all, away from the roams of our world who promise peace in a way that will never bring peace. So that we might be reminded again and again and again, Friends, grace and peace to you. Are you tired of hearing it yet? Grace and peace. Grace and peace to you. For those with water up to your ankles. Grace and peace to you. For those with your feet up. And we've got a bunch in our congregation right now. Grace And and peace to you. And to my brother and sister in the hospital right now. Grace grace and peace to them. And to those who are in in a cell. That somebody puts you in. Grace and peace to you. And then may, from that grace and peace, may you offer to the one who put you there. Friends, this whole book of Philippians is going to be about doing mission together. Mission together. Because our world, the Romans of the world, have no idea what that looks like. They know a Pax Romana. But they have no idea what peace and grace from the Lord Jesus Christ looks like. And if they caught it, nothing would be the same. So friends, grace and peace to you And then may we together go extend it out to Rome. Go extend it out to the world. That that many more may know of the one who gave it, Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. God, we are so grateful that in everything we do, in everything that Paul did, it started with grace and with peace. So Lord, with that in mind, help us to believe it. Help us to rest in it. Help us to be reminded in this space of it. And then together, may we take that mission to the realms of our world, that Jesus is Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We love you.